Shall we? Do we got uh, James? We got all our uh, speakers. Uh, James, can you hear me? Yes, we will get them checked and make sure they come to the chat. Mic check, mic check, testing, testing, one, two, three, testing, testing. Craziness. Simply craziness happening in this uh, world, and we get to witness it. Only those of us. Sure. Do we have the ETFs already approved? What's the status? <laughs> they were approved and then unapproved. What's the status? We'll get into it. We'll get into everything. I want to hear. I want to hear people's Is like that... conspiracy theories and like. I want to hear everything. So just a recap for those of you who went to sleep early last night. You missed all the fun. Uh, the SEC Twitter account. Uh, one day earlier than expected, announced that the ETFs on Bitcoin spot ETFs had been approved. Gary Gensler, the uh, foreskin of himself, um, decided that, uh, well, that was not the case. And he, uh, he then tweeted a tweet that said, um, that they were not approved and that the SEC account had been compromised. The SEC Twitter account that he is responsible for. Um, and he said, no, so, the uh, ATFs had not been approved. And then about 30 minutes after posting their original tweet, the SEC deleted the tweet saying that they were approved. That is all we know. Those are the facts. So that Anything SEC else? took a little bit part debate. of liquidation farming. <laughs> that is one of the accusations being hurled at them uh, that they have been involved in some sort of market manipulation. Uh, yes, Congress is very likely to. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's funny. That's probably what's going to happen, though. Unfortunately. SEC is going to investigate the SEC. I mean, some of the, the 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 more amusing things are, you know, people who retweeting uh, some of the SEC's own messaging, which says, you know, um, make sure that you secure your passwords to all your accounts, you know, and said so that you know organizations are responsible for their own security and those type of things. Um, was it an inside job? Did somebody actually get, um, did somebody actually like hack the SEC? If so, who would have Guess done something password. like that? Guess <laughs> the password right off their account. Elon, yeah, did you see that? Elon Musk guessed their password. It was Doge to the moon or something like that. Um, 
Yeah, no. We did see a we did see a tweet stuff. by we did see a tweet by Safety at X that confirmed that the SC account was in fact uh, compromised. So that can shed some light. But what's ironic about all of this is that now a lot of tweets are coming out where the SEC had, you know, posted a ton of tutorials on how to secure your account and use 2FA because 2FA is secure. And, and you know, they were preaching all the public on 2FA and how to secure your account. And they didn't, they didn't, didn't, didn't do it. It's a very, very public. Yeah, they didn't do it. They didn't do a good job of that. No, no, definitely. Uh, so, uh, so now I do side much more with the version of of the fact that someone did hack into the SEC, mainly for this uh, uh, maybe an orchestrated pump and dump. But um, what I'm what I'm fearing is the repercussions, right? Because as we talked yesterday, maybe this is kind of this is what Gary holds on to to say, you see, this is a this is an industry filled with scammers and hackers, and then we don't we, we don't want to hold on to the decision. Yeah, brutal, brutal. Um, wait, yeah, there, there was an article this morning in Coin Telegraph. I remember uh, Hernan and uh, you and I discussed this last night that that possibility. Um, and yeah, I mean that. Uh, Certainly doesn't seem very likely, but 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 definitely a possibility that the SEC is going to kind of use this uh, fiasco as a way of like delaying the ETF further. But uh, I think that I'm, you know, I I, I I mean it's possible. Anything is possible, but um, I don't think that it's the most likely scenario because the SEC is going to be in a lot of trouble for this already, uh, especially Gary Gensler. Yeah, and 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 I think they they're suing Elon Musk for like what happened, as in marketing. Are they really? As if, yeah, there's a there's a tweet there. I think no they're way. Suing Elon Musk. Yeah, I'll I'll fetch it for you. I'll post it in the <laughs> comments. So what's what's ironic about that is that obviously it's gonna fall on his face, but uh. uh What's even what's even more ironic is that the whole it, it it represents like the whole political siding of the SEC with the same movement that is trying to witch hunt on Elon Musk and the whole thing. So it it all ties up very nicely. Yeah, put a put a big ribbon on it. So I want to introduce uh, Hernan uh, Hernan uh, Arbor uh, Tech uh, uh, forward thinker uh, is also on the core team of uh, Quantum Economics. Um, Hernan, have you met uh, have you met Chris and MC Squared? Uh, no, but I'd love to. The good uh, spaces are a good, good opportunity for that. Right on. MC Squared is building the future of uh, asset management on the blockchain, uh, completely uh, self custody and uh, cross chain. And uh, we're just uh, in the alpha phase at the moment, so should have a public beta ready pretty soon i believe um yeah and uh we have another speaker today a uh, very special guest i'm honored to introduce uh, mr jim faff jim how's your day going doing well how are you all doing thanks for thanks for inviting me you got it you got it bud um so tell us about yourself about the american blockchain pack and um all the work that you're uh, that you're doing. 
Yeah, so uh, I've been involved in public policy, both in the states and and uh, in Washington, D.C. for 30 years now. Um, <clears throat> big Bitcoin enthusiast, uh, got involved with Bitcoin back in 2014. Nascently, I didn't hold. That was kind of dumb, but uh, there you go. Oops. And... <clears throat> and uh, so anyway, I spent eight years That's on it. Capitol Hill as the chief of staff as well, too, and been involved in, in uh, you know, advancing policy measures in D.C. And I just recently became CEO of American Blockchain Pack, where we are advocating for the blockchain technology. We're trying to get um, federal legislators elected who are going to be supportive of blockchain and will be advancing policy on the Hill, but just making sure we get people who actually know what the heck they're talking about and so that we can make this industry more centered in its development in the u.s as every great tech advancement has been through our history that's very important work my friend and um so yeah i guess uh i i'm unfamiliar with with PACs and and uh lobbying the government it's not it's not one of my fortes i know that it happens and i know there's a lot of shady shady stuff that happens. i'm gonna try to keep my language clean uh for the purposes of um the space but uh maybe you could go into a little bit more uh details on that and like how does it uh how does it work like how do you so you say you, you advocate and, and help raise funds in order to get blockchain friendly people elected yeah, and by the way, I always tell people that uh, I do politics so you don't have to. Um, mm. I, yeah, <laughs> because, I mean, everyone should be involved and they should be aware of what's going on. But essentially, a political action committee give uh, raises money to give money directly to candidates into their campaigns. Always, you know, if it's a, an organizational type political action committee like ours, then it's to candidates who believe in the issues we're talking about. Uh, you'll, they'll, many organizations will do that by means of a questionnaire, also voting records to evaluate how when similar legislation that relates to the topic uh, has gone before a vote, gone for a vote on the House or Senate floor, then they'll uh, rank whether they voted for or against the stuff that they believe in. And uh, that way you tend to advance a particular agenda moving forward. Lobbying is a kind of a weird thing, but the PAC aspect of it plays into that. There's, there's lobbying where um, people go on into the House and Senate offices, talk to the members, talk to the staff, and try to make them aware of the issues. But on the campaign end, where they're either going to be in Congress or not, that's where the that part of the money side goes to it. So we'll give money directly to candidates, but we'll also run independent expenditures in support of those candidates. Uh, our goal is to raise seven to eight million dollars in this election cycle and expend that uh, through campaign efforts. Again, both direct money to candidates as well as independent expenditures. So, so you, all that effort that we, that the political action committee does is focused towards campaigns and candidates and getting the right people elected. But then on the other side of it, then you know we spend the time educating them and uh, pushing and advocating 
for policy we believe with uh, in Congress once we can get the people we like elected. Got it. I think that's a, that, that's a, that's a sacred job as in for our industry, Jim. I, I wanted to ask you, um, well, it's a twofold question, right? The first one is, if you have an idea or at least a, 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 a broad sense of how many people in the US are, uh, in terms of when it comes to Bitcoin and crypto, single issue voters, meaning they, they, will, they will swing Democrat or Republican according to the candidate that is most pro-crypto or, or, or away from the anti-crypto thing. And, and, and that ties to the second question, which is even if you get seven, eight million dollars for, 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 for um, uh, pro-crypto and pro-Bitcoin candidates, what do you think? What is what do you think the size of the machine we are up against when you have like uh, Elizabeth Warren and I don't know what army stands behind her? You know, like protecting the incumbents. Sorry about that. I didn't mute quickly enough. Well, here's the deal. What's challenging about this issue right now is there are probably no more than five to ten percent of voters who are going to be single issue on this subject where they're going to say, if this guy or gal is not pro blockchain or pro Bitcoin, then forget it. I'm not going to vote for them. That's it's a very small number. What's more important to do and the kind of messaging we're going to have to do is. Well, 10% is actually a very large number. Is it 10% of all the voters? Uh, no, no, no. I'm saying it's it's anywhere between five and ten percent that might even mm-hmm. remotely come to that issue. And the reason I uh-huh. and I don't even think it's ten percent. I'm just like throwing it out there in my mind. If because we don't have those actual numbers. If right. we get to a place where um, when when you get to a place where you've got the election happening. Motive people that that are in this right now in this space, whether they're crypto investors, people that are consuming the information that is there, those people are. How do I say this? They're they're very concerned about what is going to happen. So they tend to be more libertarian minded. Although you definitely got people on the Democrat side of the aisle as well. Mm-hmm. Um, they're very concerned about what's happening. Uh, you had, I'll give you a quick example, just it's totally anecdotal, but uh, Klaus Schwab recently was uh, decrying the fact that uh, uh, systems are being attacked by libertarians. He actually used that word. And again, I'm, I'm not saying all people that are in the space are libertarians, but you've got a, a high level of adoption in people that are libertarian minded when they consider their own political philosophy. So they're very, they tend to be very engaged in politics, frankly, then very engaged in what's happening in elections. They follow public policy. I mean, if you get to the point where you'll actually call yourself a libertarian, you've probably studied economics at some level, whether it's just reading for your kayak or something or whatever. So, so I, I've, I've that, watched hundreds of hundreds of hours of Milton Friedman, if that counts. Absolutely. You're by the way, you're my <laughs> fan. When I, when I, I'll tell you this, when I, Maddie, when I worked on Capitol Hill and I was hiring staffers as, as a chief of staff for both Tim Hulskamp from Kansas and then Thomas Massey from Kentucky are the two guys I worked for. When I was hiring staff and interviewing them, one of the questions I always ask them is name for me the two or three 
great people who most greatly influenced your philosophy of government. If they named a politician, I probably was never going to hire them. If they named <laughs> a, uh, and then that's former or past. Like I might, I might give them a little slack if they say Thomas Jefferson or George Washington right. or something like that, you know. But if they said Hayek, Friedman, or von Mises, man, the chances I wasn't going to hire them was pretty low because I I wanted to see people really engaged in that. So, and, and because that engagement level to get to that point, like you guys, like you and me, who are kind of economics geeks, um, if they're going to go vote they are going to be thinking of this issue now because it's coming into prominence so, so quickly. Absolutely. And um, yeah, so I um, wanted to introduce our, our, our uh, next speaker, um, government.exe is hey, Jim, corrupt. Jim, well, you can call me Kevin or, or you can call me Gov. Um, just popped into the space just because of the title. And I, I, I was wondering if Murray Rothbart would uh, would fit that list alongside with you know the people of Thule and uh, Ludwig van Mises. Absolutely, there's no doubt about it. Now I will say this personally: I'm not an anarcho-capitalist in the strictest sense of the word, but I aspire to be. If, if that's the best way to uh, to say it, I, I really fall more in the von Mises camp. Um, because there should be a strictly limited role for government, but there is a usefulness for it. We need uh, a, a legal system that will allow the uh, conflicts that inevitably happen with personal and economic transactions uh, in the culture and in the economy, you know, to be adjudicated. And, you know, Rothbard is, is truly a, let's just get rid of the government kind of guy. I also see a place for defense, even though I'm, I'm with that, pissed yeah. off at how much war, but, but anyway, I, I love I, Murray I, I Rothbard. Think, He's brilliant. I, and, and I love I the think, guy. I think that ANCAP's like, you know, well, at least I can speak for myself, not everybody. Like I understand the, that an ANCAP society is never going to happen, but the reason why I support anarcho-capitalism is the closer we can get to that point in society, the more freer, like the freer we are, we are all going to be. Um, it, I, I know it's just an ideological point of view, uh, but as long as we can keep moving that goalpost towards, you know, limiting government, uh, you're going to be increasing freedom, you know, and, and increasing prosperity along the way. So, you know, that's yeah. my views on anarcho-capitalism. No, that's, that's without a doubt. And that's why I always, when, when I'm asked this question, that's why I say I'm not an anarcho-capitalist, but I aspire to be. Because I think that that, ten, that tension that goes in that direction is, is very important. And, and to be candid, if we really went back to the limits of the Constitution, that's about as close as any government has ever gotten to anarcho-capitalism. The closest system of government that's ever gotten there. And I know we're getting a little ideological here and I'll move on, but that is, is actually what you see in ancient Israel during the book of judges where literally all you had were adjudicators who, who, who played the role of judge. And, and when you read it closely, you, you see that they would stray and stuff from it, but there was no formal system of government at all in ancient Israel during that time period. And, and, I, and, and I do come from an evangelical perspective. When you look at uh, 1 Samuel 8, um, everything listed that God told Samuel to tell Israel uh, the reasons why they shouldn't have a king are exactly the things that those of us who want highly limited government are most concerned about. It's, it's really worth reading that sometime, even if you don't 
ascribe to Christian or Jewish faith, just to read God's rebuke of Israel in First Kings A or First Samuel eight is is really informative and interesting when you think about this theoretically. And I guess now to bring it back to the subject of, you know, exchange traded funds when we're talking about Bitcoin is, are the, are, are the concerns, you know, the, the governments or the corporations that run it? And when you're talking about, you know, your, your, your Black Rocks, your, your Vanguards, and you can list a whole plethora of them that are going to be, you know, launching, um, that, that do run um, and launch ETFs. Uh, the biggest issue with ETFs, uh, especially in, you know, um, you know, we look at, at gold ETFs, you know, GLD, SLV their ability to control the underlying asset and you know you have 100 paper ounces of gold 100 paper ounces of silver for every physical ounce i think this is going to be the concern in the bitcoin community when we're talking about a bitcoin etf uh i could be wrong but is that the uh, is that the thinking that we're 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 going down here yeah it's it's a it's a concern but only for those who hold paper bitcoin right if you hold actual bitcoin you don't have any you don't have any such concern wall street can hypothecate it and print as many paper bitcoins as they want um that's probably what they'll do um jim i, I see american uh blockchain pack is is on the stage as well is is, is that with is that account with you or is there a person that, that would like to speak there as well no 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 person i have just have that up <laughs> so people know where to follow us at when they want to oh beautiful beautiful okay cool and uh, last but not least, I'd like to introduce uh, the uh, co-founder of MC Square Finance, Mr. Chris Richter. Chris, how's your day going? What uh, What's hey your guys. take on uh, what happened yesterday? Oh, it's it's another funny story about crypto. Like I, I always remember the the producer um, from uh, House of Cards when he said that he cannot make real uh his shows more crazy than what happens now in real life and i think that's what we always see in all of the spaces and as well as in crypto now um i i think like i i mean that the the that the etfs are approved is is like i think everybody says that they will be approved like i think it's today in the in the afternoon like afternoon us time evening european time um probably when we get approval. So I think it's a big step forward to make institutional adoption in the crypto space, especially um, like in traditional finance, people don't want to take the risks. And I think ETFs is a great way of delegating risks for traditional finance um, um, investors and big funds. It's what they already know. and. It's where the whole Bitcoin and blockchain space needs to move forward in making it compliant for those who want it. You know, like a blockchain should much more be about choice than about having one decision, doing everything. And I think there's a lot of of things and actions that the, the blockchain space still needs to do to enable this compatibility not just in tokens, but also in funds. That's kind of where we come in to create instant digital asset funds that are aligned with regulations. And also um, then with traditional finance standards, because like if somebody wants to buy them on a stock exchange, then they should be able to do that. And ETFs are a great step into that direction. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think that you're right about that. I mean, it, it, it's important. Um, but it, who, who, who's the winner here, right? Did, did, is Wall Street conquering Bitcoin or is Bitcoin conquering Wall Street? What do you guys think? I'd say Bitcoin is conquering Wall Street, although there are some risks. Let's put it this way. Um, it to, to be, there's an estimate of tens of billions of dollars that might be invested in ETFs. And they are, as far as I read, they're going to be backing every bit of the investment in these ETFs with actual Bitcoin. So if there's, say, $10 billion of investment uh, into these ETFs, and it's $45,000 Bitcoin, of course, that price is going to fluctuate. It's just doing quick math. You got 222,222 Bitcoin that they're going to have to purchase to back that up. Some of that will, will be newly produced Bitcoin, I imagine, but others of it will uh, be purchased from other folks that are already in the market. Um, so, but if you get up to a hundred billion of investment, which I don't think that's going to happen soon necessarily, but it'll, it'll be out there because see, most people are kind of hedging a small port part of their portfolio into Bitcoin when they're doing their overall investment strategy. So that's, but if you get a hundred billion, that's over 2 million Bitcoin. And we're right now, I think at right at the, with the having coming up, I think we're somewhere in the 18 million range issued. So it's, it's. I don't think that it takes over Bitcoin necessarily. I think that I think that what's happening is the realization that they've got to understand what this technology will be doing. And I, I think it, it advances Bitcoin net net and it never drives it away. But it, it's it's going to be an interesting mix and, and to see how how all this fits together is, is just going to be fascinating to watch. Just a, just a quick question. Uh, in terms of the ETF, Bitcoin itself, uh, but once we start talking about ETFs, we start talking about the ability to, to have options on the ETFs, and then we're getting into the derivatives markets, and we know that the derivatives markets will not be backed by this. What is the concern of you know having uh, the derivatives market actually take control of this ETF and, and, and running it away with it, like we've seen with basically every other derivatives market on the planet? Well, I, I don't think anyone can, and, and, and others can answer too. I, I appreciate letting me say something because I do have an opinion. But what is important to note about derivatives markets is derivatives markets have always been positive for markets because it allows for more clear price discovery and, and so that and and liquidity. So there, I don't see personally any negatives in the derivative markets like if someone goes into the derivative market and messes up loses money or whatever well whatever others are going to make money what it does do though is is it increases liquidity because you you have people that are going to play both sides they're going to play in and out of the in the derivatives market and into the spot market itself in some form or fashion and that's that's one of the ways that you get liquidity. That's a very positive thing for any market that's out there. But but ultimately, my the thing that I want to see happen with Bitcoin is less all the investment end of it. That's a positive. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. I mean, you've got forex markets, by the way, that trade um, uh, you know currencies and, and have done that for decades and decades and decades. So it's not like you never get this kind of speculative investment 
into currencies. I want Bitcoin to be able to act like a store of value, as well as with the Lightning Network, uh, transactional capabilities we're seeing start to emerge in El Salvador. So net-net, I think it's it, the derivatives don't hurt it at all, and it helps us advance the system even further so that we can utilize it more effectively, in my opinion. Uh, I, I concur. Hernan, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Although it could create it could create a negative effect on the short. I agree with you, Jim, that that on the long term is a net positive because it just gives easier and more exposure to more people that want that access. But at the same time, right, we have to understand that there are a lot of market forces here that have a lot of abilities, including the one that is printing money <laughs> endlessly and to infinity, right? So uh, on the long term, of course, this is all net positive. And on, regarding your question, Mati, I don't think this is a question of whether Wall Street is taking over Bitcoin or Bitcoin is taking over Wall Street. I think Bitcoin is taking over all streets. I think once the ETFs approved and that's done, the next logical step is, okay, sovereign nations starting to put Bitcoin on their treasuries as a protection like they did with gold uh, previously. So I think that's an overall definite, a huge trajectory for Bitcoin. Now, however, on the short term, those ETFs and the people and the, the money, as you mentioned, Jim, the ones that are on the other side of the trade may garner up enough, uh, enough liquidity to actually create some chaos. And, and if they're betting on a downward direction, there may be a lot of people interested in, as you say, you know, in bringing the boat back because maybe they, they, maybe they, missed it they feel they missed the boat, but they have the, the power, uh, um, the printing power to, to bring that boat back. And that the ETF and uh, the derivatives, derivatives can be a vehicle to bring that cheap down uh, to to catch it at whatever price they they want, and the ones that previously done it in the previous cycles are JP Morgan, and you know we 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 saw how they did it. It was much easier back then to to pull such a stunt, but this can still be done. And I don't. Wouldn't... Did he rug or did the space go? Space I think it was him. <laughs> okay. Um, I mean, yeah. Look, I, I mean, for... it... yeah. Go ahead, Chris. I think for. Um... For Bitcoin itself, having the, a lot of or a big share of the, the assets actually in ETFs is not so much of a risk due to how the, the, like the, the voting and the governance of Bitcoin is happening. I think it's a bigger risk for some altcoins like even on Ethereum when then some traders of an ETF then have a huge voting power on what has to be done or what can be done, what can be approved. I think that's a risk, um, not especially for Bitcoin, but for several other tokens. And that's kind of one thing where they say, ooh, ETFs will be more centralization. But I don't believe that it will go into a, a centralization. It's just like a spreading into any type of asset class there is. And that's only good for the blockchain. By the way, 100% agree with that. And it actually highlights one of the values of Bitcoin is the whole governance issue. And, 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 and I, I'm, not, uh, I'm not so negative on other people uh, and these other platforms, Ethereum, Cardano, XRP, Solana, and others trying to do what they're doing. 
But when you get into these governance issues, that what you just talked about is a very, very good point, because a lot of people don't understand what that distinction is and why that gives Bitcoin the kind of value and superiority that it has. It's why it's one of the reasons ultimately why Bitcoin still has such large capitalization. And and I think that uh, it's it's important for us to uh, to really think through this the way that you talked about Chris because when you start breaking this down it 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 starts to help us understand what's so important about blockchain or what what the important factors are about blockchain development and why it can be good for society and why bitcoin in particular can be this but and so I I think that this ETF's a positive development uh, for everyone, even though there are very real risks uh, that that we need to pay attention to. But to your, to your point, uh, Hernan, I think that uh, derivative markets, yes, people can play it and they can dr- try to drive price down or try to influence the market. But there's always someone on the other side of those trades as well, too. And even though you will see moves, to try to change value at the end of the day, someone else, they have to sell that to someone else, or they have to, to play against someone else's poor risk decisions to be able to win on their side of the, of the trade. And that's a real balancing factor that I think is positive. But again, what we all, I think most of us are all about here is the fact that we want to see Bitcoin be as we're starting to see in El Salvador, and, and I think we're going to see in a lot of other places, we want to see it, its real value be in its utility and usefulness for uh, individual autonomy and finance. The invisible hand is strong with this one. Um, yeah, look, I think that Bitcoin works really well be, uh, because it takes into account uh, human greed. and. Um, it's just one of it's just one of the one of the features that Satoshi embedded within the code, um, well within the economics and the, the tokenomics, um, is that people are people are greedy and well you don't have any more greedy people in the world than on Wall Street so uh, of course they were gonna find it eventually, right? Uh, Gov, go ahead. So just um, you know, a quick question here in terms of viewing Bitcoin as money, as in you know uh, all the utilities of money plus um, you know a store of value over a long period of time, which currency doesn't uh, really fit into. I guess the question here is, you know, we've been in, in an inflationary cycle for you know a very long time. You can point to you know at least the seventies, but you know going back to the to the thirties, well, the last Great Depression. Um, so you know, Bitcoin has performed relatively well in an inflationary environment. Uh, but my question is, if we move into a deflationary environment, which you know more than likely might might be coming as we move into economic winter, and you know all this misinvestment, malinvestment over the last few decades is is reversed, and we see you know a, a credit crisis, a debt crisis, especially in, in the bond market as yields continue to spike. How will Bitcoin perform? I guess this is the million dollar question because nobody really knows because we've never been in this environment. How will Bitcoin perform if we have, you know, deflation or a a, a severe deflationary crisis, you know, a highly deflationary crisis? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I hadn't really considered the possibility of governments not printing money, to be honest. Um, 
Well, I think but more I guess the that's... point, the real, the real example might be if we were in this same scenario and Bitcoin existed, say, in 1980, when Paul Volcker began a, an actual deflationary effort to save the economy, which included high interest rates, of course, what would it do? My guess is that, um, my guess is that it, it it wouldn't have harmed the situation all that much. I mean, deflationary, deflationary, like Bitcoin's a deflationary asset. So it it's already working in that, you know, in that way as it is. And so how, how does it drive it down further? Well, it might for a little while, but at some point that money printing is going to have to come back or it's going to just stabilize over time if they're smart. They're not going to be smart. So it's it's almost a non-scenario. But I, I just think I don't think it harms Bitcoin uh, for a deflationary effort to be undertaken by the Fed or any other fiat currency. I think I think it just it, it's a state. It could be a stabilizing factor in some ways. I'm not an expert on that, but I'm just thinking out loud here. Apologize. Yeah, I'm, I'm an expert on that. Not a problem. Um, so. We we actually have seen it before, right? I mean, it's not, I would say, like, very short term, right? But the Federal Reserve went from free money to expensive money very, you know, very quickly um, in this last cycle. Uh, 20, and so 2020, 2021, I would say um, more money has been printed uh, by the United States than um, probably in the previous 200 years uh, of money printing. In the United States, honestly, didn't I don't, haven't done the math. Don't check me on that. Um, but it's it it's a lot of money. And then they went from that free money phase to expensive money with some of the fastest interest rates. I believe the fastest interest rate increases much faster than Volcker for sure um, in the history of the United States. Um, in order to try and uh, fight the self created inflation monster. Um, and uh, so we did get a glimpse of what happens to Bitcoin. And actually, Jim, it, it, it did exactly what you said it might do. Uh, it, it declined because, well, guess what? People need, you know, people still need to feed their families. They need to sell some of their Bitcoin to, um, you know, pay the bills and stuff like that. But as soon as people got a handle on the situation and as soon as the uh, weak hands uh, were all out, um, it stabilized and, and people started to accumulate again. The 2023 is the absolute perfect example of that, where Bitcoin rose 155% uh, from January 1st to December 31st of uh, 2023. Um, and that was a deflationary period, if I ever saw one. Um, so yeah, that's exactly what happened. And I guess one last point that uh, I'm going to make before I leave the spaces, and I would like to know what you got, what your guys' view are on it. You know, we often look at Bitcoin as an oh, it's trading at like forty thousand last last month. It was trading at thirty thousand. You know, its highs were at you know sixty, seventy thousand, whatever it was. But we're always pricing Bitcoin in dollars. I mean, why aren't we pricing Bitcoins in terms of other assets? Or why aren't we ever talking about this? Okay, how many ounces of gold does it take to buy a Bitcoin? How many, you know, the average price of real estate, how many houses does it take to 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 buy a Bitcoin. And then when we start pricing assets in terms of other assets and really take, you know, the US dollar out of it as that, you know, um 
medium of exchange, you know, you know, these things really tell a different story. And then we start comparing assets to other assets, we can really see, you know, what is the, the best performing and what is the worst performing asset. But when we continually looking at look at it, you know, in terms of how many dollars, it just kind of dilutes the situation. And, and that's just my opinion. Yeah, that'll happen over time. I mean, it's just people are, are used to thinking in dollar terms. And for as long as the dollar remains somewhat stable, it's a lot easier to think in dollar terms. Bitcoin is still very volatile when compared to the US dollar, right? So um, you want to start thinking about it in Bitcoin, in, in, you want to start thinking about a, a house in Bitcoin terms. Well, how many, uh, how many Bitcoins is it to buy that house? Well, um, in November 2021, that house was worth, uh, you know, five Bitcoins. And, uh, you know, in uh, 2022, it was worth, you know, uh, 17 Bitcoins, right? And then, um, you know, and now that, that, that house is worth, I don't know, uh, four Bitcoins or, or eight Bitcoins. So um, that's been a very difficult way to uh, price houses. The value of the house did not fluctuate that much within these last five years. Um, so yes, I tend to think because I, I, I tend to keep my books and um, keep my balance as much as I can in Bitcoin. Um, so I, I tend to think about things like if I wanted to buy, if I did want to buy some gold, which I have bought gold with Bitcoin before. They go, oh, that's okay, 0.001, right? Okay, that I get, I get that. And then I decide if I, you know, if that's worth parting with or not. Um, so, but only over time, I believe that Bitcoin will stabilize. Um, once it reaches full market penetration, we're not nearly there yet. Bitcoin market cap isn't even close to that, that of like silver or gold at this point. So still, we still have a ways to go. Um, and I believe that we could cover a lot of that ground in, in this year, next year, in this cycle, um, because, you know, as Hernan mentioned earlier, right, the last cycle was about Wall Street and, and the next cycle is going to be about nation states. It's going to be about, you know, countries FOMOing into Bitcoin, countries printing fake money in order to uh, purchase real money, like Michael Saylor has been doing um, all for the last few years. So once um, once Bitcoin stabilizes, then we'll be able to start thinking about um, assets uh, in Bitcoin terms. But I do think that's going to take uh, it's going to take a while until um, until that actually happens. Now, now, the scenario that you just laid out, you know, uh, using bad money to buy good money, you know, that's, you know, Grisham Law 101. And, you know, that's going to actually, you know, cause the crisis, the, the financial, the, 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 the currency crisis, uh, you know, globally. And, you know, when we take a look at, okay, let's take a, a step back a bit and talk about the U.S. dollar in particular. And, you know, it is going to lose reserve status. It is because all other currencies in the history of the world have. And, you know, the average lifespan of reserve currencies about 80 to 100 years you know the, the u.s dollar became reserve in in 1944 1945 um so you know it, it's long in the tooth now um as we move into the next reserve currency, I guess the question is, is it going to be a commodities-backed currency, you know, the RMB or, you know, um, some other fiat currency that's going to be, uh, uh, or like special drawing rights? Or, you know, and if it is a commodities-backed currency, uh, would you like to see Bitcoin in there as, as, as alongside, you know, gold, silver, oil, copper? 
uh, do, do, you know, help stabilize, you know, the, the, the global monetary system. Absolutely, it will. Uh, Bitcoin, Bitcoin fixes this, as the saying goes, right? So what about, um, what about other assets? Like what about like XRP ETFs or like Cardano ETFs and link, chain link ETFs or Dogecoin? There I say Dogecoin or Bonk. When, uh, when does that happen, Jim? Uh, I, I, I really don't know. I mean, I, I'm not sure when, what they're thinking, honestly, but maybe, maybe I'm misunderstanding the question. What do you ask me that again? I apologize. <laughs> oh, good, man. Um, like, <laughs> sorry, let, let's, let's assume like Bitcoin ETFs get approved today. Spot Bitcoin ETFs. I know that there's a bunch of other, um, I know that, uh, or there, there have been hints that there'd be like an XRP ETF next, or Ethereum ETF, or stuff like that. What do you, how do you see this playing out? Are like what? all of the cryptos going to be ETFs? Well, I honestly, I think yes. I think a lot are. Well, not all, but all, all the of the top ten that are out there: uh, Bitcoin, Ethereum, XRP, Cardano. I, I, yeah, I could see someone, it'd be stupid in my opinion, but I could see someone doing a Dogecoin ETF even, possibly. I, I doubt the SEC is going to uh, approve something like that. I think they're going to see what a lot of us see, that that's just kind of a flaccid, stupid uh, thing that popped up out of nowhere. But of of the main platforms where you're actually seeing... Hey, don't fade Dogecoin, man. I will kick you off this space, man. <laughs> well, I'm just kidding. I just, I'm kidding. I just I'm hope kidding. He, I just feel free to speak your mind. Hear me. Yeah, I hope Elon. Oh, he's hear me, he hears uh, he hears everything that happens on the Twitter. That's screen. right. That's what they say. But yeah, now now I'll accept the Dogecoin. But if if they do a Shiba Inu ETF, I'm going to fall all out of my chair. But nonetheless, so I think uh, all of that that I'm saying is a good way to say that there are some serious things happening on certain platforms. And uh, the ones I mentioned, other than Dogecoin and Shiba Inu, uh, there, there's very real development happening, very real use case <clears throat> that is that is taking place. I mean, the, obviously, the Bitcoin maximalist says that they're they're all crappy, but and and, and I'm not going to argue that point. I think there are arguments to make that make Bitcoin superior, but there is real development happening on every one of those platforms, and so there's going to be a reason for an ETF to come about in someone's mind. So yeah, my guess is that those are going to be offered. I think Ethereum's probably going to be the very first one that you're going to see one after the Bitcoin ETF. I don't think that's going to happen immediately. I think it's going to take a couple of years, maybe three years uh, of experience with Bitcoin ETFs, unless it just seems to work so well immediately and everyone loves it. I think you're going to see some time watching that. If we get these ETFs, I, I think there's, I, I really believe they're going to actually issue them today, but there's a strong argument that they're going to wait a little bit. So, you know, we we may still be learning more for the rest of this week, at least, or beyond. And who knows, maybe the whole thing has fallen apart after SEC screwed it all up. I doubt it. But assuming that doesn't happen, yes, you're going to see ETFs happen with with some of these other major platforms soon. I mean, three years for a, an Ethereum ETF. I mean, at this rate, I don't know if Ethereum is even going to be around by then. Honestly, with all of the uh, 
thunder it's been uh it's actually thunder has been stolen from it by uh some of the other uh layer ones honestly uh, ethereum's looking looking a bit weak lately hey action uh, i agree uh, with you by the way how's it going man i'm um, glad you could join us what's your uh your take on uh, what happened yesterday and what do you think how do you think today's gonna play out man it's a big old pile of poop isn't it let's be serious like this should have never taken place it's kind of sad that the play, the people who are supposed to be protecting us messed it up this bad um like I, i've been posting here and there about the things that have been said in the past like hey make sure that you have two factor off on your account make sure that you're doing this and that and like right now, a lot of buddies of mine are getting blocked by the SEC just because they're calling it out how they see it. Um, it's pretty disappointing if I can say so myself. I really wish that these guys would have, well, I mean, what am I saying? Am I expecting them to do the right thing? They haven't been doing the right thing for a while now. This is no different. Let's let's be serious. It is what it is. Like it's it's just par for the course. I mean, I wish it were different. It's not. And we, we should have expected this to be exactly the way it is now. Um, I guess we're a little too positive nowadays. Um, th- this is just exactly what we should have expected from the beginnings for them to mess it up. So, so do we get, so we get, we see massive approvals today then? And how does the, how does the market react? I don't think I, I need to know because I'm a hundred, 170 times, 170 uh, times leverage uh, long on uh, Bitcoin right now. You didn't want to go 200. What happened? That, that that's paper hands right there. Oh, I don't. I got. I got. Yeah, chicken. I was chicken on the two hundred, man. <laughs> no, uh, um, I'm. So it's one of those things. Like, I'm actually not upset that it happened. Um, in in the sense of like taking a look at the markets and how the markets would react, right? Um, I am upset that you know the, the three layer agency that's supposed to be serving the people has been fa- failed again. But um, I'm glad we got to see that people did you know make it pull back. Um, to me, I hope, and I'm seeing rainbows and sunshines ahead, um, because people are like, okay, so there is a little bit of a pullback, but it held, right? Like we didn't come crashing down to the thirties. That's, that's what people wanted to know. Like, are we going to have this major pullback? And because we didn't, I think people are even more bullish that uh, it, we're not going to see that kind of like, crazy Sorry, action. Leave some family stuff. Um, but her, no, no, hold on. Action is still speaking here. Hold on. No, no, no that, that, that's quite all right. I'm just saying, like, I think that we are going to see better results this time around because of what happened. Yeah, I, I, I but uh, one point that I want to just make before we, we go to Hernan, um, the, the pullback, and I, I tweeted this out earlier today, uh, Matt Case uh, tweeted a chart of it, um, and I retweeted him or quote tweeted him. So basically, the... Um, the, the market expectation, and this is what I was saying from the beginning, uh, was that we get a pop up and then a sell off because it was, you know, buy the rumor and sell the news event um, where market expectations have been have built something up so much that, you know, when, once the news actually happens, people are going to want to take profits on, on those trades. Um, and this is exactly what happened as well, um, because the Gary Gensler tweet saying that the account was compromised actually came in after the pullback. So meaning the market was lower, uh, w- lower than it was before before the SEC's tweet by the time Gary Gensler actually uh, said that it was not approved. So 
Um, then, you know, there was a bit of a bit of a pullback after that and a lot of silliness, a lot of volatility. Um, but and, you know, and then some people were saying, like, yeah, maybe um, maybe somebody who hacked this wanted to just see what the what the effect like you can, because as soon as you see that effect, um, it, it's irreversible. So whatever happened yesterday is certainly going to influence today's price action. I'm pretty sure of it. So um, in, in my opinion. You know, we do see these ETFs approved. I don't think that the expectation anymore, because of what we saw yesterday, is for it to pop up and then pull back. I think the expectation is for it to just moon right away. But that's just me, and that's my uh, 170x leverage long speaking for me. Hernan, no, what's no, up, it's man? Good. It's, it's, it's oh, me too, good. so don't good. worry. Go ahead, Hernan. Step away for a minute. Uh, but. What I want to say is uh, we, we will have to wait for the actual announcement to happen. Uh, that's going to be super important. But what I'm noticing, right, and there is like, uh, you know, Bitcoin is not, not obviously not in a vacuum. It's the, it's a, it's a leading uh, king of assets on crypto. But, and what I'm seeing is that, uh, look, at, look at the charts. Like, for example, Bitcoin is down like 4%, but Ethereum is up like 4%. So a lot of out altcoins are breaking out versus their BTC chart. So I I am I would be expecting a lot a very strong pullback on uh, Bitcoin, like a sell the news event, as uh, it's been uh, repeatedly told. But at the same time, I'm do see, I'm seeing a lot of strengths in altcoins, and that's not what we tend to see on a general market pullback, right? Because the, so there. Are, Generally, there is Bitcoin dominance rising when Bitcoin rises. Then there is uh, Bitcoin dominance dropping when Bitcoin kind of consolidates. We all know those. Then there is uh, Bitcoin's dominance rising when Bitcoin drops dramatically, which is also why Bitcoin dumps 10% and now it will drop 20 or more. And then there's this weird, like, weird cases sometimes once or sometimes twice in a cycle. It doesn't happen a lot, but there are those moments when Bitcoin pulls back and actually the altcoins uh, not only outperform, but go up also in dollar and in Bitcoin value. So if we get one of those scenarios, what I think that'll mean is that even though uh, Bitcoin might pull back, we are going to see a lot of capital inflows into the entire industry. And then, and, and what, what the word on the street will be is, okay, the Bitcoin ETF narrative played out. What's next? Uh, what's obviously next is the Ethereum ETF that's uh, looking out. And with Ethereum, it will drive the rest of the leading, leading altcoins. And I think we, will, we may be able to see a typical BTC to large caps, market leaders, then to mid caps, and then to low caps type of uh, trickle down of capital. Yeah, those are, those are my thoughts. <laughs> yeah, actually, yeah. go ahead. That makes an interesting follow-up question because currently, like whenever uh, BTC obviously, grows up- Obviously that happens if, if Bitcoin pulls back to 40 and it, it kind of stabilizes there, right? It starts consolidating. If we see a major pullback- Hernan, are you, are you able to hear the other speakers? No, no, uh, I, I, I only hear to... you, I only hear you. 
Oh, you okay. might have so to go down and back maybe up. Maybe I need to read Yeah, it. maybe. Yeah, drop. Okay, okay. Yeah, drop off and come back up. It it brings an interesting follow up question because currently, whenever Bitcoin is growing, all the other coins, um, Ethereum and the other main ones, directly move with it and then the outs as well. If the um, if the ETFs make such a big difference, will this change so that actually the tokens with significant ETFs will have then another behavior than the others? Or will it be always the same because basically the, the um, liquidity pools on the big taxes are always a reference to BTC and ETH? I, I didn't get you. Can you? Um, so I didn't. I didn't get your point there. So essentially, I, let me see if I got this, Chris. You're saying that there's always an impact on the markets because most liquidity pools have a BTC and ETH pair, right? Um, so whenever those two move, there's going to be movements in other coins. Yeah, that. Yeah, I, I I get that. It's not as big of a move, but yeah, it has a huge impact. I, I agree with you. I was actually explaining this to a group of people yesterday because they're like, well, how come when one coin moves, all of the other coins seem to move the same direction? It's like, well, that's how the liquidity pairs are set up. Of course, they're going to move. Unless you have pairs that are exclusive with stable coins, you're absolutely going to see an impact on all coins when you have the major ones moving. I mean, especially blockchain-wise, right? Let's say somebody is building something on Polygon and, you know, that, that, that blockchain is going to say, well, you need to have a Polygon pair. So when polygon moves that's going to move if you have you know something that's being built on eth same idea whenever those, that, those pairs you know move you're going to see a price impact across the board but but also and that is absolutely true and people do forget that how how significant a factor that is but the other factor as well or the other thing to note as well is that sometimes they do move in different directions like it, it's not like they are reflexively tied to each other inextricably. And, and what shows to me, what that proves to me is that there, people make a very serious differentiation between these platforms, layer one, layer two, wherever these things are. But then the other aspect of it is it shows that the current use case that's happening on these platforms is actually doing something of, at least beginning to show something of what it was intended to do all along. You know, one of the things that, that we talk about at American Blockchain Pack is the fact that um, we're not just, we don't just believe in blockchain because of what it'll do for finance. That's obviously the biggest factor right now, and it will always be a big factor. But, but more importantly, getting down into the use case, or I should say importantly, I don't know if it's more important, but importantly, getting down to use case. When you start to see use case going into things like um, uh, securities, the, the, the exchanging of securities on an NFT kind of basis, or when you get to supply chain issues, the tracking of, of products moving across and, and the development that gets away from having to rely on Amazon or eBay or some of these other companies to get your stuff to you and maybe more peer-to-peer transactions or new and different ways of making those transactions and new sales platforms. When you start to get into that area, you're going to see a divergence actually from time to time in the price of the, the, the 
assets that are used to make that economic change. So as time goes on, you're going to get more stability and you're going to get divergence more and more. But you see evidences of that right now in the way uh, cryptocurrencies trade because of the fact that use case is coming into play. So it's, it, 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 listen, the future is amazing in the blockchain space. It is amazing. It's what can happen for economies, particularly smaller economies around the world, but even for economies like ours, large ones like ours, is, is phenomenal. And and we've got to be. I, this is why, as our our organization is pushing for that development to happen in the United States, because even though it'll happen somewhere and it'll be beneficial for for all, there's something really amazing about that happening in the United States, where at least to this point we still have this idea, this concept of freedom and liberty that that it, it helps direct where capitalistic ventures go and how they truly end up benefiting everyone. And so uh, that's an important aspect of it. We want that to be maintained and we want to push it in the future. Absolutely. And that brings me to the next question. Um, how does a Bitcoin ETF uh, approval affect future regulations of uh, cryptocurrencies in the United States. Is, I mean, is are things going to get clearer from here faster, or are we going to see the same hand wringing and um, feet dragging that we have from uh, from the SEC until now? In, in well, from the SEC, I think we're going to see the same thing until you get a radical new change with a, with a new chairman and a and a board that is not majority democrat esg dei minded um th there's a lot of problem with the sec right now and so that particular aspect of re regulation i think is in stasis until we can get into a different mindset in an administration where new appointments can be made that said broader issue of regulation is still a little bit in flux, mostly because this year there are going to be no changes in regulation. You're not going to get anything passed in lot, not likely to get anything passed in Congress and signed into law that that will really put a marker on this. You're going to have bills still proposed. They're they're actually already being forwarded and and placed into the queue as we speak as con as the new session of Congress is opening up, but. Um, Getting anything signed, it's not going to happen. I don't think you see a Republican Congress, uh, House, excuse me, uh, getting their bills passed of the McHenry style, uh, which are the the main ones being offered there. And then the Senate is really in flux. You, you, I, I just don't see it happening. Now, if there is a true wave where you get a Republican president this next year, which I predict will happen, and I actually predict it'll be Donald Trump whatever you think of him, I happen to be supporting him, but I don't begrudge you not. But anyway, it will be a Republican president, I believe, this next time. If there is a subsequent change in the House and Senate, which I predict there will be, I don't, at worst, it's going to be the same mix in the House. And the map for Republicans is vastly superior than the map for Democrats in the Senate. When you look at what states are up for re-election or election, 
so anyway, likely to be a Republican Congress. If that happens, then I think we're going to see something take place. And then we're going to have a real struggle and fight to make sure that the Republicans who are really stupid on this issue don't get the leverage and that the more right-minded think thinking people like a Cynthia Lummis, uh, like even the Rand Pauls and Mike Lees of the world who are relatively positive on this, even though they're not leading on it, uh, Cynthia and some others are in the Senate. And then even though McHenry's going to be gone next year, you still have some very pro-crypto people involved. We're, we're actually going to have a fight on the Financial Services Committee, which is where a lot of this legislation is going to go through because Mc, with him, McHenry being gone, Luke Meyer is not a possibility to be chairman of that committee. So that actually took out our one potentially negative blockchain person. you got a lot of positive rel- or at least relatively positive or right thinking people on this issue uh, who are going to potentially be up for that chairmanship. We're hopeful that French Hill will be that person. He's chairing the committee, the subcommittee in financial services that is, has been really positive for crypto. And French Hill is a very pro crypto guy. Um, but then you've got people like Bill Heisinga and Pete Sessions who are potentially very positive. You also have a potential negative of Frank Lucas, who has not been very pro blockchain. He used to chair the Ag Committee, and I don't I don't see him as a very positive force in our direction. So in, anyway, all that to say, I went way too long on that, but all that to say, it's still in flux. I think we're going to get more clarity if we have a Republican Congress and a Republican president next year. Yeah, not not too long at all. I mean, we're we're here to we're here to drink from your wisdom, sir. So uh, you've got you've got certainly more experience with the uh, U.S. Congress and and legislators than uh, than the rest of us combined. So uh, happy to hear your your thoughts on that. And um, it, it makes a lot of sense, right? We wait wait for the next wait for the next president because because Gigi ain't 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 doing nothing as far as crypto is concerned. He's just gonna keep prosecuting and um trying to trying to regulate um by uh um by by enforcement which is just a terrible rate way to run a government and more turf wars with the cftc it, it, it will take a strong president uh to come in and and, and lead the way on this um I don't want to. We don't want to get into to politics too much here, but but I think you're right. I think right right wing. I, I mean, Joe Biden is is you know the incumbent. He's not gonna he's not gonna change anything. So it, it would have to be somebody from the other side of the aisle coming in to, to change it. So I think we get uh, our Groundhog Day on that one uh, come November this year, and we get to see if we got four more years of Gary Gensler, or uh, if we get to see some actual change happening in Washington. Um, I think you probably I think you're probably right on the outcome of that one, but we'll uh we'll absolutely have to see. Um but like can the US government actually afford to not support blockchain in the next four years? You know, I can currently they are kind of sort of of waiting and not doing anything or trying to to say it's not moving, but if they would keep that for the next four years, it would just make a bigger problem for the U.S., but not for the rest of the world. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's the thing that I think a lot of people don't get is that you know America is is 
you know, sometimes thinks that they, they are the world, but, you know, those of us outside of the United States, um, we understand that regulation is happening at, at a much different uh, pace. Um, over in Europe, I think that the issues are, are bigger with, with, with what they're preparing as far as a CBDC. And I'm wondering if there's any kind of connection like um, between, you know, getting Bitcoin approved on Wall Street and maybe how will that affect uh, central bank digital currencies? Probably, I, I wouldn't assume in, in the United States. I think that the United States is, they, they are letting the, uh, the private sector um, uh, take the reins on CBDCs. But um, how, 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 does, how does the Bitcoin ETF approval affect CBDCs in general? It, it, it's hard to say that there's any direct effect. Um, there's already, as you guys probably already know, maybe some of the space don't, there's already an effort to develop this technology for use in the Fed. And they did release the Fed Now program, which is, in effect, a, a, a modest attempt at a CBDC, I, as I understand it. It's designed to facilitate transfers of uh, money between banks. I think that the Fed and, and other central banks uh, recognize the utility of blockchain technology in a sense, but uh, the, they really have a dastardly plan in many cases to uh, control the world, so to speak. And so I think that the uh, desire on the part of the U.S. government of some in the U.S. government to push for a CBDC is is still fairly strong and concerning. Uh, the question is their ability to do so. Is the Fed authorized to change monetary policy in that drastic uh, method? I would argue they have no authority to do it. I'm not even sure they have authority for Fed now, but they're just going to, in many cases, just go ahead and do what they want to do and and not wait for congress to act but there has been discussion of them there, some some media reports have shown that they in in various statements from people on the fed board have shown that they are looking to congress for guidance on this so it's it still is in flux they may be waiting for congress to act but i don't know if i have confidence in that and there is definitely a desire there's a really bad trend in all western uh, democracies right now to put a greater stranglehold and control on citizens out of some sense of needing security and safety as they argue it at least not that it provides it but that's their argument and so we have to keep our eye out on that and this is one of the things if we do get a republican congress this next time that we're going to need to have some aggressive action on and shutting down the whole idea of CBDCs. Interestingly, you talk about the EU. Uh, one other thing about Europe is Europe actually, in terms of development in this area, is by comparison better than the United States, uh, particularly in England. And and so I keep I keep my eye out and watch, it, it, you know, if, if they're going to be able to take up the mantle here. I don't think that Singapore and Dubai, for example, can be the exclusively central area of development in this area. That, that's going to be significant and important, obviously, in both places. But it's it's Europe or the United States as well in the long run that are really fighting 
for this technology or will be fighting for this technology. And Europe is slightly winning, even though they are moving very aggressively toward a CBDC. Yeah, well, you, you, you really have to define winning there because I do see CBDCs as a, as a very negative and, and uh, authoritarian uh, move by the governments. Uh, I think they will, regarding the question, I don't think they're going to ask for permission regarding the CBDCs. And I see CBDCs also as a negative in relative to Bitcoin because as it is programmable money, it's very likely that uh the um, ones programming the cbdc's can say can go and say okay this this money is good for buying groceries and uh, maybe a bus ticket but it won't work for uh buying bitcoin right so that can be programmed into the cbdc's and that's a very 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 harsh authoritarian move i don't think it's going to go either through congress or any other typical legislative process I think they're going to shove it down our throats through a type of financial crisis that everybody needs a government. Everybody except the top 1% will need a government handout to make it through. And that's how they're going to just shove the CBDCs all down our throats. And um, I know I'm sounding a bit grim here, but this is where CBDCs are, are taking us to. You know, it's something to fight for. And, and by the way, if I wasn't really clear, I do not support CBDCs and have the same concerns uh, based upon what you're saying. So if there there was, it seemed to me maybe that I wasn't saying that clearly enough based upon your response. It is absolutely antithetical to human freedom. It, it should be fought against and by every means necessary. Congress should put their foot down legislatively on this issue as well, too, which they have authority to do related to the Fed. And they should do it. Because there is absolutely no reason at all that the United States should have a CBDC and every reason to maintain liberty and freedom when it comes to our monetary policy. And we obviously need to get rid of the Federal Reserve, period. So anyway, I just wanted to make that very clear statement if it wasn't clear. Uh, although do you, you don't yeah, think that, that, that last one is not going to be very easy. <laughs> you don't think that the same, uh, the same government, the same bodies and the same lobbies that are making Gary Gensler take this stance on crypto and then the Elizabeth Warrens of the government, you don't think that army is going to be doubled and tripled up regarding CBDCs and you're going to see a lot of senators out of nowhere and Congress people and politicians pushing for, for the CBDCs as this new brand new technology that we must adopt or else? Uh, I, I do. No, I don't, I, don't see, I don't see that. I don't see that clearly at all. There are definitely people like Elizabeth Warren who have that sort of thing in mind to be certain. But for example, I'll just give you another example uh, that there's, I don't believe, first of all, before I give you the example, I don't believe that there's going to be an increase in that sentiment after the next election. I think it will at least be the same as it is now or decrease. For example, Sherrod Brown, who chairs the uh, finance committee in the Senate is up for reelection this year. I think he's going to lose in Ohio. I think I think there's a, there are credible candidates in the Republican primary, and there are two of them in particular who have the capability to win. Sherrod Brown has some negative sentiment against him in that state, which is tending very, very conservative. And that is net a benefit to those of us who believe in blockchain and net against CBDCs because you take one of the strongest voices out who actually has a position of power to to seek that direction. 
So you're going to see people like that falling out because they tend to the left. Stasis is what I see there. And, and even though I, I think, uh, Maddie, you're right, that uh, it's a hard lift to get rid of the Fed there. I in 30 years of working in politics and for 30 years, like like, by the way, it back in the 1980s, I was Lou Lehrman for president before I was Ronald Reagan for president. Lou Lehrman is one of the great uh, libertarian economists uh, and gold bugs of all time. Uh, that's how how long I've been thinking through this process. And in that entire time, as I've been working in politics for 30 years, I've never seen more potential sentiment for getting rid of the Fed than I've ever seen. It, the, it, you were just a crazy nut job for even talking about it when I first got involved. Um, it's still kind of crazy right now, but it's but you're not considered a nut job. It's actually a serious topic of discussion. So what that that doesn't mean we're getting rid of the Fed soon, but what it does mean is policy that goes away from the thinking that the Federal Reserve is the system we need to make our economy work. Um, you know that those kinds of policies are going to be advanced more and more in Congress. Jim, I love the sentiment as far as trying to get rid of the Fed and everything else. Here's the biggest problem: people are stupid. If you, you know, hang a $10 bill in front of them and say, hey, just sign up for a CBDC easier, let, you know, put in your information so you can secure your wallet, which comes preloaded. Well, guess what? A bunch of idiots are going to go ahead and do that the same way that they went out and decided to scan their irises. Like people are just not, you know, they don't think things through. Um, I mean, honestly, the reason why I'm in this crypto thing in the first place is because people are desperate for information. And most don't understand what's actually going on and the implications that comes with those little tiny decisions. It's no big deal. It'll only take two minutes for you to sit here and for us to take a little picture of your eyes. Like they don't consider those implications. And it's really sad. And I would love to live in a world that you're talking about without the Fed and everything else. But I don't see it happening anytime soon because we are living in a world where people are blinded by money where people are, they, they don't care about what's coming next. They only care about the here and now, and how does it impact my um, avocado toast and latte that I'm about to have. So uh, two points on this. The first thing, I want to retort in a couple areas. First of all, I agree with you. We're not going to live without the Fed anytime soon. It's going to be around. And I think I was making that case beforehand. But where I diverge a bit with you is on the issue of, People, there, two ways to understand my point on here. I, I'm actually more positive on people because I remember the Tea Party wave happened, and I remember that Trump got elected. Now, not that anyone that is truly fiscally conservative thinks that Donald Trump is the paragon of virtue. Far from it. That said, it, his election represented the ability of the American people, at least, to say, no, we're going a different direction. And, and I also look out at El Salvador, and I look out at Argentina recently, and I see elections where people are pushing back on this mindset that would exemplify your thesis that people getting a $10 bill waved in front of them. Now, do people react to a $10 bill being waved in front of them? Absolutely. One of the great challenges is to get people to pull away. When people say they want less government in their lives 
and then you want to take their program away from them, Social Security and Medicare being chief among the examples, then they're like, whoa, 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 hold on a minute. I wasn't talking about that. Okay, I get that. That sentiment's there. I always uh, make the statement that 6,000 years of human history, of recorded human history, proves the moral depravity of man. That's an absolute fact. But that same condition existed in all of Western, uh, in all of the rise of Western liberty, going all the way back to the the uh, era of Charlemagne, when we we call that the Dark Ages. It wasn't the Dark Ages at all. It was actually, and because of Charlemagne, led to. And I know I'm philosophizing here, but I think the point it helps the point. Uh, Charlemagne advanced education and expanded the ability of uh, of individuals to operate economically compared to where they had been in the past. Um, he brought about major reforms. You get into the post-Middle Ages, into the uh, Reformation period of the 16th century, and you saw a radical shift in individual liberty that led up into the Renaissance, where then you had this idea of individual freedom rise to a philosophical level that led to the American Revolution, uh, the first failed French Revolution, which later led to some freedom there, um, the advancement of freedom as well in, in adjustments in the parliamentary system in Great Britain, where you had the... Uh, Cromwell's revolution, and even though they went back to a king, the the parliament now had more control. All these efforts happen after what was really a dark age for human freedom in the Roman Empire. It started well under the Republic and then went badly. So, so we've seen these kinds of trends in human history go back and forth. The reason they happen as regular trends is because of my thesis of 6,000 years of recorded human history. Um, the hope, though, is a reassertion of this idea of freedom that can continue. Are we at a perilous time? Certainly. But I, and do I believe that human nature is good? No. With that, on that point, I agree with you. Do I believe that the desire for freedom is also a general? Uh, you know, capacity of human beings and that they might assert themselves in that direction. Yeah, I actually happen to believe that. And we have seen some instances of that, two of which I just referred to earlier. So I think we could do that again. I actually think that Donald Trump's going to be the next president. I think he's going to win fairly big. It's going to either going to be a solid win or a blowout. I think it's a possibility. We are seeing a pushback right now uh, on this diversity, equity, inclusion thing and this ESG thing, which by the way, whatever you think about those precise concepts alone, the fact that, that, that both of those movements come from this instinct towards totalitarianism, authoritarianism, and government control. And that has the sway right now. That's the winning argument at present. We need the government to um, uh, tell us what to do because the citizens are so stupid and can't handle it. That is is sort of the leaning direction right now. But when you look at what's happened on Twitter, when you look at Bill Ackman's fight that has just recently happened against Claudine Gay at Harvard, which led to her having to resign, and and you look at even some of the pushback that the, the SEC is getting, 
we're starting to notice that a resurgence of liberty it seems to be seems to be boiling up somewhere. It hasn't taken hold yet. It might by November of this year in the United States. It has in some other countries. So after so when we talk one year from today, you and I, then we need to revisit this issue and figure out have we made any advancement in that. If we have not, I still won't believe your thesis because I still think there would be future hope, but you would see that we're still in a perilous situation. So, you know, let's we're, we're going to have to play this out. Uh, X and X spaces has been a real hopeful sign that uh, we're we're moving in a better direction. For me, absolutely, God's ears, Jim. I, I mean, don't, 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 don't take me the wrong way. I want to believe everything that you're saying. It's just I believe an uphill battle, unfortunately, just because I'm not talking about the blanket everyone. It's just the the way that they're going about this. They're trying to flip things in its head. And yeah, you're dead on. X has been a a, a, a kind of rejuvenating my spirits, just knowing that people do get it. There are people out there that care, that do understand that. You even if you try to present things upside down, they're gonna go. Wait a minute, are you sure about that? And that's what we need more of. I mean, we need more gems on stages to tell people that, hey, this is how things are going. Yeah, I don't care how you feel about politics. Donald Trump winning means that people were able to actually have a voice in this country, and is exciting. It, it literally means hope, regardless of you know what what faction you find yourself in. It just meant that people were able to make a choice. Uh, my my take on this, guys, is that uh, although you know, yes, the 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 guy who's in charge and the elected uh, president is going to have a lot of influence. Uh, I think if you if something uh, blockchain crypto taught us is to follow incentive mechanisms, and if we witnessed already uh, tens of thousands of people line up to get their uh, eyes scanned and give up their identity for a WLD airdrop on, on WorldCoin, uh, you know, you can imagine what's going to happen when you get a thousand uh, Fed USD airdropped uh, for giving up your, you know, for, for, for trans, transporting all your finances onto the, onto the Fed, uh, Fed blockchain or the CBDCs. So I do think they are going to engineer their way to get most of the people uh, on board with uh, with CBDCs and the little uh, microcosmos that we work in within Bitcoin and crypto that uh, has not yet reached the chasm that's required to make people understand how important economical freedom and independence and self custody is. Uh, I think that's how you know they will sadly get the majority onboarded into the CBDC system. Uh, sorry, sorry to be a bear, bringer of bad news, but that's, I think that's... Yeah, favorite. seriously, Hernan, I mean, uh, like, I was just going to try to open, end this space on a positive note, and then you have to come and, and do something like that. Um, no, I literally. That, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's all good, bro. Um, in any case, uh, this has been a very strong first spaces of the year. Uh, since uh, Chris... Uh, drop down to listener mode. I did want to, Jim, while you, while we have you, um, I don't know how familiar you are with what we're building at MC Square Finance. Um, but I want to ask, like, how, how, how soon can we expect 
um, something like what we're doing here in Europe, uh, where we're building literally the future of asset management on the blockchain, where you know people can um, you know set up their own uh, strategies and uh, something that's cross-chain and uh, self-custodial, and people can participate in, in in all kinds of money management, pooled asset vehicles like index funds or portfolio management, right on chain. How so is it is it just a matter of of switching the president or um, even if we do see like like you're predicting Donald Trump in November, so twenty twenty five, how quickly would we be able to open our doors in the United States for for something like this? I think in the next two to three years, you're you're going to see this radically shift in our direction in the United States. I really do believe that at this stage. A lot of work to do. That's why uh, American Blockchain Pack is doing what it's doing to help, at least in the effort of getting there. I think the information is getting better in the United States, and I, I think the American public is more and more frustrated, seemingly, with uh, how government wants to assert itself. So I, I think that uh, I'm positive. I, th- I think I'm very positive, actually, in the short term. Um, what I concern with, w- with all due respect to Europeans here, is that I hope that we're on the front edge of all that. And uh, I'd love to see a competition, actually, in Europe and the United States in this technology development. I think it would be a beneficial for human society. I think, ultimately, what benefits human society tends to win out. We, we always have this negative of badness that frankly exists in all of us. Uh, you know, we, we don't ever become good unless we work really hard at it. We don't naturally become good. We naturally will do what's selfish. Um, what's only in our self-interest without any consideration of others. And, um, and frankly, we, you know, there's always that desire to cheat, right? I mean, I want, I don't want, even though I might care about you as a friend to be able to um, have, have something good for yourself. Honestly, if it comes down to it, my tendency is going to be to want to take care of me before you not, not have the self-sacrifice. We come to self-sacrifice because we decide to go there and we work hard to be like that. I, I love my wife because I know I should. I have come to learn after many years of life that that's a beneficial thing to do. And so I keep working at it all the time. When I was 20 years old, you know, I just, I, I want a copulation, right? I mean, you, you tend to want that. <laughs> I mean, you think that way. And um, as a man, but as a man, you grow strong in in uh, thinking of others so i think that human beings want to do that in the west because we've been taught that we have an ethic in the west that thinks that way so that's why i have some hope so um if if we get that kind of development here where what you're trying to do i mean just look at the difference between binance and binance us and what you can do on those two platforms if we could get to a place where a platform and i'm not trying to sing the praises of Binance per se here. I'm just using an example that we all understand. If we were at a place where we could have the the worldwide Binance platform operating in the United States, then I know that we are rising to the future. 
because then that that would mean that we ha- don't have these arrogant desires to shut down people's uh, seeking of financial opportunity on their own. I'm hopeful that we'll do that in the United States. I think we can. I've got a lot of work to do. But once it happens, what you're doing there and what we're doing here, what we could do here is going to benefit all of mankind. I see that potentially happening, and uh, we'll see what happens along the way. I've, I've, I've just seen so many cycles in life. 30 years of working in politics, I've seen it go up and down so many times. That's, I think, one of the reasons why I have hope, because experience tells me all I got to do is just keep working. There we go. That's the way to that's the way to bring it home. And that's the way to end it on a positive note. Um, I want to say thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, huge thanks to uh, Jim Pfaff for joining us and sharing some of his wisdom with us today. Um, absolute huge thanks to uh, MC Square Finance uh, for putting this thing on. Um, Chris, famous last words. Yeah, thank you for the very interesting discussion. It was very insightful and a great preparation for the ETFs and the next coming months. Um, If you want to try out the platform, then actually um, you can do now already on app.mc2.fi. You can log in and even create on-chain strategies. Um, The UI is still um, a little bit rough. And in the preview mode, we have super nice designs coming up that probably will be released next week. And I'm looking forward for talking to you again on the next basis. All right. So that's app.mc2.fi. If you want to try out the platform, be one of the first. Send us feedback. Um, Obviously, you know, still, you know, still, a lot of a lot of good things to come so uh we'd be happy to hear and and uh see you trying it out thanks everybody for joining see you next time thanks buddy great space see you guys and a happy etf day yay bye bye kill it james Motherfuckers screaming out loud, looking for mercy Before they find themselves working a corner down in Jersey What could be worse? Misrepresenting the first come first serve Mentality stuck in the burbs I'll be numbing up first before discovering what works And we'll see what other kinds of trash is under the dirt We rape and blunder the earth Sit and wonder about the worth and plate Ring around the rosy while the thunder is served Motherfuckers walking around here looking faceless Trying to make a living selling friendship bracelets Dead ants dragging out the max amount of payments Red down days, got them acting all bankless Yo fam, what? Check these token knocks They probing this bear, flexing broken knives I had to lay my soul down, I'm just roasting knives And then to end a long day, 11 bowls of chronic Never known the politic, I was born to frolic It's been my policy to pollinate all over the plot We got a lot of apologists jumping in at the top We like to measure their velocity before they hit rock bottom Over the impossible loss, it's all moss And I'm liking the odds, fondue in the morning Forming mycological bonds Flick the cap, yo, the road is highly involved Flip a coin, diary falls Motherfuckers screaming out loud, looking for mercy Before they find themselves working a corner down in Jersey What could be worse? Misrepresenting the first come first serve mentality Teeth stuck in the burbs I'll be numbing up first Before discovering what works And we'll see what other kinds of treasures under the dirt We rape and blunder the earth Sit and wonder about the worth and play Ring around the rosy while the thunder is served Trying to figure out the max amount of dinner
LA stacked in non-toxic Just to get a better place, smacking on the hostage Like the shit is played for keeps, clowns, white knight and all these Maybellines They call it implausible, when model after model keeps on Ripping off the coat and going full throttle beats Tearing apart your community, all these low-hanging fruits bearing zero liquidity Got a planet in reach, coming standard to each I'm on the back ten stargazing after the siege Commanding all the management to grab a few seats And then we'll round up the beasts and send a messenger east Y'all better sign a release when I'm bumping these beats Hands up if I got motherfuckers drumming the streets Yo, we got a few dubs, we got a couple defeats And if you're coming for the king, you better have some of each Motherfuckers fuckers screaming out loud, looking for mercy Before they find themselves working a corner down in Jersey What could be worse? Misrepresenting the first come first serve Mentality stuck in the verbs I'll be numbing up first before discovering what works And we'll see what other kinds of treasures under the dirt We rape and plunder the earth Say and wonder about the worth and play Ring around the rosy while the thunder is served Ten spaces.